Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to all the sectors and regions currently undergoing the great plague, the great storms of insects and ants and hornets and wasps and yellow jackets. Oh, they're stingy. Good morning to the Heblin folk who live in the caves beyond the Great Wall. Good morning to all the space travelers heading out there, heading out there to find a new place to live, baby. Maybe set up a burger shop. Maybe set up a burger joint cafe on Mars, baby. It is February the 9th, 2023, Bo Blimp Yep, February the 9th. Thursday, and it's just after 5.30 a.m. Here, here in Mountain Standard Time, Utah. You can hear all the crickety crawlies looking up to see if it's warm enough to come out. Answer is no. Yes, all the furry creatures are hibernating, making muskrat love. The bear and the cougar, the elk and the lion. They live up there. They live together. They share a cave. It's called regret. Yeah, they live up there. Yeah, and it's Super Bowl weekend, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this topic. I have no idea who's playing on Sunday. I don't give a shit. I I saw some references to the to, to the Dallas Cowboys. If they're playing, fuck, I don't care. But I I really don't care. And if I'm wrong about Dallas playing, that kind of indicates how much I fucking care. Okay. You might as well be talking to me about J.R.R. Tolkien characters that you're going to like make a little fucking, you know, model out of and, and play your fucking LARPing games. I don't care. I don't care about bugbears. I don't care about orcs. And I don't care who's, who's playing in the Super Bowl. I don't care about Harry Potter. I never read any of those shitty books. I'm not saying they're shitty. I'm just saying I never read one of them. And so if you tell me, oh, Dan, you should have read, I don't give a fuck about Harry Potter. I don't care. If there's a controversy about Harry Potter or Luke Skywalker, you rent out your brain to that bullshit, pal. As far as voting goes and the current political soap opera of the United States of bullshit. I don't care. What Biden's State of the Union, was it stupid? I don't really fucking care. Okay? I don't care. Next year, they say we're going to send people to orbit the moon. And again, I put this into the C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, Dungeons and Dragons category of bullshit that I don't care. I don't really believe anything NASA has to say. It doesn't mean there isn't space. It doesn't mean I'm a flat earther. I just don't believe NASA. 
I don't believe the government. So if they're telling me next year they're going to go back to the moon, well, I'm inclined to believe that message means something else and they left out the silent part, right? Yeah. You left out the silent part, Mr. Government. You don't have to worry about going to the moon if all the people who would know or care are either dead or spending every sick second of every fucking day struggling to exist. Okay? You don't have to keep any promises. There is no social security in that world. The only thing you have is the basic Hobbesian struggle for existence. It's not the end of the world, but it's such it's a situation where realistically, if you were to ask yourself, what will you be doing? Will you be giving a shit about the Super Bowl? No. Will, will you be concerned about Harry Potter? Probably not. And you definitely won't give a fuck about whether or not people orbit or land on the moon. That's the silent part. Um, you know, it's funny. Seymour Hirsch, who is famous, because he I think he was one of the original... Um, journalists involved in the Pentagon Papers, but I could be wrong. So his, the story of Seymour Hirsch goes back to the 60s and 70s. Um, he's a relevant character in journalistic history, is my point. So Seymour Hirsch publishes an essay or an article, whatever, um, based upon information he got from a trusted source. And in that article, he states that the United States of America our CIA, our special forces, which means Navy SEALs, our military, destroyed Nord Stream Pipeline 1 and 2. Now here's some facts that you need to understand if geography is hard. These pipelines are not in the Ukraine. These pipelines represent a resource agreement between countries. Okay, between Russia and various Western European countries, specifically Germany. Have we declared war on Russia? And the answer is no, we have not. Okay, I don't know what justification other than some really crooked lawyerly interpretation of the War Powers Act and the National Security Act, but other than some really crooked law, there is no basis for any United States forces to be in the Ukraine. But what's really critical is if we destroy infrastructure, civilian infrastructure outside the Ukraine, and we haven't declared war on Germany or Russia, that makes it a war crime. If you're one of these, oh, I believe in government bullshit artists, if you're a good and kind voter, you need to understand that if Seymour Hersh is right, and I think he is right, although it doesn't matter. And, and you'll never prove it. You'll never, ever get to a court of law on something like this because, you know, here's the other part of the story that's silent. There is no rule of law at this point. If, if you think there's a rule of law, you're deeply confused. Um, no. This was a war crime. This was a war crime for multiple reasons, but it was a war crime, and technically, if the president authorized it, he's also guilty, which means technically he could be arrested by any member state that implements agreements under the Hague Court of Arbitration. This means that if there was a rule of law, the president would be arrested. That's never going to happen. 
Look at COVID-19. That was a giant crime against humanity. It wasn't an accident and it wasn't a bioweapon. It was military psychological warfare that drove probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people to suicide and early death. It probably involved actual killings, actual murders, and it doesn't matter. No one is ever going to be held accountable. It's never going to happen. Okay, it's kind of like 9-11 or the JFK assassination. Whatever you think happened is irrelevant. If you think that there was a lone gunman and then a bunch of idiots who barely knew how to fly flew airplanes into the uh, World Trade Centers and then miraculously World Trade Center 7 collapses eight hours later, if you want to believe the nonsense of, you know, <laughs> any of it, it's up to you. It doesn't matter. It's J.R.R. Tolkien. I couldn't give a fuck. But what you need to be clear on in all this nonsense, whether it's a Super Bowl or a bunch of Navy SEALs blowing up gas pipelines, in all this nonsense, it doesn't fucking matter, and there is no rule of law. The next time you get pulled over by a cop, okay, you need to understand there is no rule of law, period. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be stories to get you pissed off. You'll, you'll hear about cops doing bad things, but it's not to inform you or to provide you with any useful data. It is simply to make you angry or to scare you or both. That's it. There is no rule of law. There might never have been. Like it might have been gone before I was born. But after 2020, if you think there's a rule of law, you're batshit fucking crazy. We are, with the mass taken off, operating in a world of thugs. And some of these thugs have lots of resources at this point. And if you're a problem for them, they will simply roll over you. That is reality, okay? That is the truth. What happens next, who knows? You know? Next topic, right? You know, don't want to spend all day on that, do we? Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles, passion is the fire, genius is the light. That's why there are more geniuses than we realize if we can escape this dead, statist, passionless world. No. What does that mean? Passion is the fire, genius is the light. Well, here's the thing. If you live in a prison where you're being tortured, you might be a genius, you might not be, but your primary, your, your immediate and primary problem is how the fuck do you survive? How do you get through every day? How do you deal with the manipulation? And if you're listening to this podcast and you hear noise in the background, that's just the heater. Anyways, just the heater coming on. Woohoo! We love the heater. Because it's minus 8 billion degrees outside.
So yeah, passion is the fire, genius is the light. If you live in a prison, if you're being tortured, if you're being starved in, in the literal sense and in the figurative sense, if you're being kept in the dark, if you're being constantly annoyed and lied to, you have other problems to solve long before you ever create a great work of art or program a computer or design a new type of space engine long before you ever do anything to help cure cancer you have to just survive your day-to-day -day existence and what and here's what's really important whether or not you can do any of those things is irrelevant to the jailer in fact the more you try to do things that are creative and inspired and are forms of genius, the more likely the jailer is going to push a little button and send an electric shock into your testicles. Or any of your privates, really. Any of your junk, male, female. If you exhibit any creativity outside of what you're allowed to exhibit, you're going to be shocked and tortured further. In that world, there is no space for genius because there is no space for actual passion. But if you can live in a free world, a world where people are not restricted and controlled, a world where people solve problems voluntarily, which also implies logically that the members of your team want to be there. They're not there because they were ordered to. They're not there because of some law. They're there because they want to be. If you can live in that kind of world, a whole bunch of things are possible. There's no guarantee. But a whole bunch of things could happen. You know, I am a skeptic when it comes to outer space. Doesn't mean there's not outer space. It just means I feel like as infinite as outer space might be, the bullshit produced by the United States government is even more infinite. And so you're really talking about two different infinities. I mean, space might be the set of all integers. That's a big number. That's technically an infinity. But the bullshit that comes from government is the set of all real numbers. And that's just a bigger fucking set. I'll leave it to you to research set theory and Cantorian logic and all that. Just understand the set of real numbers is way bigger. It, it includes and surpasses the set of integers. So sure, you know, space might be infinite, but government's bullshit's bigger, more infinite. And you have to get through that first before you ever get to space. Anyways, next topic. Uh, here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. What if Peter the Great were a hobo that thought he was some kind of Russian czar? I'm serious. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, there is folklore related to Peter the Great. And if you're not aware who Peter the Great was, he was czar of all Russias in the late 17th century um, and early 18th. I believe that's more or less his period of time. So right around 1700 um, was the time that Peter the Great was the czar of all Russias. Maybe a little earlier, maybe the late seven, you know, maybe more like the late 17th century. But the story goes that during the 17th century, when Peter was a young man, Peter was a rolling stone, Peter went around the Western world and studied. He went to shipyards and learned ships. He went to universities and studied math. 
He went to France and studied boobies, and then he brought this knowledge back to Russia. Yeah, he brought it back to Russia. That is the folklore of Peter the Great. So he was a hobo for a while, wandering Western Europe, getting to know about their technology, their crap, their bullshit, learning about everything they could do, and bringing that back to Russia. Anyways, that's not a very interesting path, so let's go to the next topic. I'm going to drink a little bit of my cafe au lait, if that's okay with you bros and hoes out there in space-time world. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. Prophecy is a gift, a reification of faith. But it's not a way to make money or predict the next president, Dr. Freckles. I've covered this before, so this is a bit of worn-out territory, and, and I won't spend a lot of time on it. Um, you know, when Trump was elected, and even before he was elected, a lot of freaks came out of the woodwork claiming that Trump's presidency was foretold in the Bible. And at the time, as a Christian, I was kind of horrified because I don't believe there are many alive today who have the basis in prophecy to make such a bold statement that somehow Trump was foretold, that Trump was part of the plan. If you really look into Donald Trump, what you find is just another operator, best case scenario. It's entirely possible the guy's just fake. I mean, a lot of these people we think have their hands on the levers. At this point, they could all be fake. I have no idea. But what I can tell you is there's nothing morally different about Donald Trump from any of the other choices on the menu. He is just as reprehensible, just as disgusting. And if you understand COVID to be a crime against humanity, he is just as responsible as every other shithead that enabled it. So you had all these freaks back in 2016, 17, even in 2020, predicting how Trump was this guy foretold by God. No. And by the way, that's not the purpose of prophecy, to tell you about the president or to help you make money. If you're using the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel to somehow, you know, get ahead on the stock market, maybe it works. But if you ask me, you're using a trick of the devil. You are. You're being tricked by the devil. Prophecy's purpose is not very complicated, but it is profound. Prophecy's purpose is when you reach a point in history where what is told in the book matches what you see, your faith is reified. If you have no faith, then prophecy serves almost no purpose. And if you're going into the process of thinking prophecy is a way for you to make money, like I said, that's even worse than prophecy having no purpose. It has an ugly purpose at that point and probably not based on anything other than coincidence or some sort of demonic manipulation, but that's not the purpose of it. You know, if we find ourselves on the road with Christ, because Christ might have said, listen, when the time comes, there will be many that claim to be Christian, and yet these will be your enemies. These will be the people that hunt you down. 
And Christ tells you that and he says, you'll see it, okay, and then you see it. And you can look over to this person, the Son of God, watching over you and say, yeah, you were right, this happened, okay. It's a breadcrumb in a way. When Christ tells you there will be certain kinds of signs where life will become so hard that if I did not cut it short, there would be nobody left. There would be no one left alive. If we see a time like that, okay. If we see a time where people are in a state of, of I don't know how to call this, unhealth, where they're very sick and in lots of pain and would love to die but can't. They can't die. They're unable to die. They're in lots of pain. And by the way, that is from the book of Revelation, this idea that there will be some type of plague that will afflict people. And they will want to be dead, but will be unable to die. And I've been thinking about that. There's a guy who claims, well, it's simulation theory. They're going to put people into a... No, I think you're wrong, buddy. I think a potential culprit would be nanotechnology. I mean, given all the stupidity around COVID-19, given all the freaks that took one or more booster shots, I have no doubt that they could get nanotechnology out there. And the thing about the nanotechnology is it might allow you to stay alive while at the same time being in a state of perpetual torture. And that would be pretty bad to, to be alive and to want to be dead. Um, there are other things in the Bible that speak to signs of the times. And I can't tell you that I've seen anything absolutely definitive yet. It does seem to me that the church is fractured. And when I say the church, I don't mean the Catholic church or the Baptist church or the Mormon church. I'm talking about the hidden church that is the church of the Lord. It is the church of the Lord because you're a Christian and you're a member of it. It's not written in any book. It's not told to any priest or minister. The, the person that knows you're part of the church, you know, is God. That the church would be in disarray and that the actual church would be driven underground. I believe that started happening in late 2019, and I believe it's ongoing. But is that sufficient to say we're in the end times? No. I think it's a sign of the times. I can't tell you what it points to yet. So prophecy, for the most part, serves a purpose of reification of faith. In the Old Testament, you could argue prophecy is also a form of guidance, but if you look at the stories of the prophets in the Old Testament, and if you look at the life of Jesus, the one thing you have to recognize on, on, on a basic level is that you don't want to be a prophet. You don't want to be a prophet. You don't want to tell the people things because often the things that the Lord wants you to tell them, they're not things people want to hear. They don't want to hear that they're sinning. They don't want to hear that if they keep on sinning, bad things will happen. They don't want to hear that if they don't change, a great calamity will befall them. What they want are prophets that'll tell them how to make money on Apple, Google, Alphabet, right? Make money off Microsoft, make money off Amazon, make money off Tesla. That's the kind of profit for profits that people want to hear. They don't want to hear that if you keep doing this, something bad's going to happen. Those types of prophets get chased down and killed. Read your Old Testament. 
Those types of stories, the stories that the Lord wants you to tell, but are not pleasant, nobody wants to hear that. They never did, they never do, they never will. It's part of that Cassandra mythology. Nobody wants to be told about bad news. Everybody loves good news. And why not? As my good friend Seattle Mike has pointed out to me multiple times, if it weren't for our kind of dumb optimism, we'd all probably be dead. We would. He's right. On, on, on a certain level, he's absolutely correct. If we didn't have a kind of stupid, naive optimism, we, we would be dead. You know. But that doesn't mean that that optimistic spirit is a valid measure of truth. It just means that all things being equal, you can't know if there's going to be a tomorrow if you give up today. It's really that simple. You can't give up today if you want to get to tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow the nukes stop, start dropping. Maybe tomorrow Putin steals your car. Maybe tomorrow a whole bunch of horrible things. There's a drag queen festival in your town. Maybe tomorrow. But you're never going to get to tomorrow if you don't survive today. Ever. You know? You won't know if good things happen tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to fall in love tomorrow. You don't know if it's the rapture tomorrow. You're never going to get to tomorrow if you don't make it through today. Doesn't mean you get to live through today. If the Lord wants to take you home, I don't know how to put this to you, you're going, you're going home. You're going home. If the Lord wants to take me home, and I've had a couple near misses in the last six months, if the Lord wants to take me home, I'm going home. I'm going home to heaven. I'm going to see people I miss. I'm going to hopefully understand more of my mistakes in life and maybe have wisdom I don't possess. Um, yeah. The life of the prophet, the actual life of a real prophet, is a hard life. It, it's a hard life where, best case scenario, you're being chased around the world potentially and then a whale shows up and the sailors toss you into the sea. Life of a prophet is a hard life. You're being hunted. People want you dead. The people you're trying to help want you dead. That's the life of a prophet. Who wants that? So if you think prophecy is about making money or predicting who will be president, you need to understand the life of Elijah and, and, and the life and perspective of Jeremiah. And you need to go back and read your old and then read also your New Testament. Understand that the ultimate prophet... The ultimate savior, the person that came to redeem the world and frankly brought us good news, brought us portents of love and peace and freedom. That prophet was murdered on the cross. So by all means, tell me about how you're going to predict Trump will be president. By all means, feed my mind with your ideas about the book of Revelation telling you when to invest in, I don't know, Microsoft. But if you understand the life of the prophet, you must understand that it, generally speaking, doesn't have to do with baseball cards or stocks. It doesn't. That's not the purpose. That, that is ordinary Book of, Book of Ecclesiastes life stuff. That's the everyday stuff of life. Rich, poor, beautiful, ugly. These are all features of reality, but these aren't intrinsic to your salvation. 
They're not. You could be poor, you could be rich. Whether or not you're saved is a separate issue. You could be attractive or you could be ugly. You could be fat or you could be skinny. You could be keto and buff and have big muscles and have high testosterone or you could have low T and work in some cubicle and, and you know live under the fluorescent lights of synthetic pain. None of these things that are features of daily existence, none of them are linked to or connected to your salvation. None of them. How you treat your neighbor, well, that probably is. You know, whether or not you have faith that Christ lived and then died on the cross and was the Son of God and that the Lord in heaven loved us so much that he gave up his only son, that's something that's probably pretty important if you call yourself a Christian. How you feel about that, do you believe it? And I say this because there are Christians, quote-unquote, today who are taught that that's all metaphor, that Christ was a metaphor and dying on the cross was a metaphor. And what I'm saying right now is your understanding of these truths is connected to your salvation. But whether or not you pick the right team to win on Sunday is irrelevant. The Lord probably knows and the Lord may or may not care. I mean, I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't want you to be happy, but there will be happiness, there will be sadness, there will be pleasure, there'll be pain, there'll be exaltation, there'll be all sorts of other types of failure and catastrophe. This is life, okay? You, you want me to be a prophet for life? I'll tell you what it is. I predict that you're going to love something. I predict that something will be taken away from you. I predict that there'll be people you care for that die. I predict that sometimes you'll be in pain. I predict that sometimes you're going to feel really good. I predict all kinds of things. And, and you know what? That doesn't make me a prophet. That just means that I have a relatively basic, decent understanding of life. Prophecy is not about the basic story the ecclesiastical story of your mortal life on earth when it comes to stuff, stuff that's going to go away, by the way, okay? You can be an Egyptian. I've, I've met Christians who are Egyptians. Let me explain what I mean by that. I've met Christians who really do believe you got to stack shit up, you got to pile it up. And frankly, a lot of the Mormon faith looks like that to me. It looks like it's an Egyptian faith because it's about building these almost, you know, pyramid schemes of control where eventually you get to be the god of your own planet and if you're really good Mormon, your planet is very close to the planet where Jesus is from. I'm sorry if that sounds horrible, but these things, the stars that we can see in the sky, the moon, the good earth that we can grow food in, the good and the bad of it, the tiger that attacks you and might even kill you, these are all features of your mortal life on earth and all of it turns to dust. There is no salvation in dust. If you are going to be an Egyptian and pile up a pile of gold to the sky, you know, I'll say God bless, but understand all of that turns to dust. There is nothing there that lasts, okay? Nothing. If, if you compare it to the Lord, it's such a a momentary thing that, that it's surprising that humans give it so much weight. But we do, because we're human. 
and that pile of gold, that brand new electric Tesla, that fancy boat, your home, your success, your degrees that you got in college, all of that turns to dust and there is nothing about it related to prophecy. Nothing. Who you vote for, I, I mean, personally, I think voting's a crooked scheme. So yeah, who you vote for in that World Wrestling Federation we call the political system, it, it's all dust, okay? It's, it's about a dust existence. It's about a dust life. Yeah. Anywho, be careful with prophecy. Good advice. If you believe you're seeing a sign of the times, then I think it is incumbent upon you as a Christian in the community to let people know that you suspect you're seeing a sign of the times. But that doesn't mean you're right. You know? That doesn't mean that we're actually at that point in the game. It just means you suspect. Like, I suspected in 2019 that the church would be under attack. And in my opinion, that was true and it's still true. But it doesn't mean it's the end times. The church has been under attack um, since, yeah, pretty much since Christ rose up to heaven. The church has been under attack for thousands of years. The idea that that suddenly wouldn't be true is ridiculous. And again, like I said, when I say church, I don't mean Catholic church. I don't mean Greek Orthodox or Baptist. I mean the implicit church of Jesus that you are either a member of or you're not, and that's really between you and Jesus. I can't, I, I cannot judge that. I can't tell you. Anyways, next topic. Next topic. I got a bit of cotton mouth this morning. I apologize. I think it's re related to the, to all sorts of meteorological factors. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit stuffed up. I don't know. So, you know, an update. My left arm is getting better every day. Can't tell you when it's going to be 100% normal. I saw my doctor on Friday and he said, you got to be patient, Dan. And I said, you know what? I am patient. I am your patient. <laughs> now, I am patient um, as much as I can be. It's just I want to use it. I want to I want to get back to normal, if that makes any sense. And um, it turns out when you break these bigger bones, no matter how old you are, there's no easy trip back to normal. It's just, it's a number of months of pain and and trying to do physical therapy and getting stronger again. And then at the end of it, you still have an arm with a bunch of titanium in it, you know. And, and I gotta say, I think that this titanium in my arm, I think it's changing me. Already there are tendrils, tentacles of micro nanofiber stretching out from my implant. The stuff in my fucking arm. Yes, indeed, it's giving me the power of total love sex oneness and anal stovepipe. My hooker lovers, they're lining up around the block.
Yes, my hooker lovers are lining up around the block to taste my heart rod and simmer in the juices of my deep caress. My robot name, because I am slowly becoming a robot, is Clamor. I have several small, vibrating, rubber-covered, pitted cylinders that pop out when necessary. You know what I mean, girls. I am a robot man now. I am ribbed for your pleasure. Already the dogs see me different. The Hungarian pulley eyes me with his dread side-eye and weird noises he makes that sound like an old crackhead saying fuck you over and over again as he grinds his teeth. The Sharpay grinds his teeth too. He's waiting. He sees me as a meat chunk. And the others pretend it's all okay, but they know I'm slowly becoming a robot. My mind is becoming expansive as the titanium gumptus fills my soul with garbage and fear waste. I am yearning for the husky, dusky, jungle-loving type grease bats like in the old days of jungle fever. I am ready for her sordid kiss and then I'll use my freeze ray and take her back to my lair and tie her up in the barber's chair. This is the machine talking. I want to remember, I really, really want to remember the human me. The organic and loving me, but only this wretched titanium inside me now screaming, yelling, demanding flesh. Demanding flesh. It denies the carbon unit and seeks silicon-style lovemaking somewhere in Seoul, Korea. And among the demon priests, my robot grease is prized. They seek after my robot greases to use them to gain great power, to get high testosterone, to survive the coming Scrogon Wars, to become kings and leaders of the infinite, infinite swamp that's filled with all the weird creatures that came there from, I don't know, maybe it was Malaysia. Helmeted grief herders shower monkey spice on the soft folk of region Kilo. These people just want to eat their frog stew and drink their brown water and hide from the sky pythons that be killing their babies. I was drawn to them. My machine arm pointed their way. I was the glowing fire god to these sand freaks and my own ivory dream would be their shredder. Do you know the price of smuggest oil? The old crone asked me. 
I slapped her with my robot arm and told her to leave this place. You see, she was really a 32-year-old sleaze witch seeking after my ivory power grease. I cannot forsake or deny the gentle, soothing power of that. I keep trying to reverse it, fight against it. I can sense my mind being torn by the eternal sea, filling it with the dead things that only Danish people know about. I know that my soul is undergoing defenestration and spirit wanding. I would not scream except for her name. I would not scream except for her love. I would not scream except for her pleasure. We fell in love. We traveled beyond the sky. Her name was M. It's impossible to describe what this titanium is doing to me, really. It's as if I am touching my broken you-mind and reforming my me-self into derelict protein and tempting the swamp goddess Nestra so that she might insert the hot rod where it goes. It is sweet fate. I would, I would make mountains out of molehills and hope from hookers and whiskey from dead cats. I would send valentines to the future asking for muddle cream to rub on my biz trick. I would get nothing from those hufty boo types. I would simply hide in a shadow gallery alone. Okay, so I'm going to just say this and not go into any of the horror stories because I'm not really interested in beating the dead COVID or beating the dead George Floyd. <laughs> um, whether it's the race war or the monkey herpes or January 6th or Biden is crazy or, oh my God, look at Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean... All of it, the trans eruption, look at that, Ukraine war, Chinese spy, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, Dan, chat GPT is going to become Skynet. Skynet will launch the missiles. Oh my God, stagflation, Dan. We're going to default on debt, Dan. They're going to take the guns, Dan. Government says there's aliens now, Dan. Guess what Dan thinks about all this? I think if you went through all the newspapers, if you went through Drudge Report and Zero Hedge, and you crossed out every article that is likely bullshit, there would be almost probably nothing left to read. 
except for the advertisements. That would be it. If you simply, and, and even then, if you cross out them because they're likely bullshit too, you essentially have a blank white page. Nothing's there. That is where I'm at. If you want to know what the news is, I believe the only news at this point that exists is news that you can verify. And I've said this before. I've said this before. This is, this is worth repeating that pretty much after 2020 and certainly after the last couple of years, the only news you can be certain about is either something you experience or first-hand information from someone you trust. But as far as journalists go, as far as newspapers go, it might have always been crap. It is absolutely, certainly useless crap at this point. It's garbage. Now, if you're currently playing the I'm a forensic accountant and therefore can invest because it's a crooked system game, fine. Read the news. Read the tea leaves so that you can make lots and lots of money. That's your fucking business, buddy. I don't fucking care. But, but beyond the purpose of gaming the system, the news is pretty much just shit. That's the news. I don't even know if I'm going to like try to read the news any longer. I mention these stories because they're all so fucking stupid. And there is no resolution. You're not going to get to the other side of that mountain. If you are interested in the Hunter Biden story, as I've said in the past, the Clinton traveling roadshow of horrors and freaks has been going on most of my adult life, and I ain't young. Okay, that traveling roadshow of freaks started really in the 80s in Arkansas, reached a kind of, you know, crescendo in the 90s, and no one ever goes to jail. No one ever gets any real trouble, and they still are just amazingly wealthy people if you believe what you're told. So none of this gets fixed. Hunter Biden's not going to face anything. The, the, the main purpose of these stories, other than how they're related to ongoing military psychological warfare, one of the simple purposes of many of these stories is just to simply piss you off. Sim it's just to confuse you and piss you off and maybe even lead you to believe that, well, I'll vote harder next time. I'll vote harder for Trump. And so maybe when he says in that next debate that he'll put Hillary away, he'll do it this time. Because I remember the October debate from 2016 where Trump said he was going to put Hillary in jail in the first 30 days. Yeah, I call bullshit then. I still call bullshit. And he said, well, he had, didn't have the power. Well, gee, was he fucking stupid? Did he not know that that power did not exist? You don't have a lot of options here if you're a Trump voter. You either say he's a liar or he's a fucking moron. The same thing applies to the COVID. If you're a Trump voter, then you have to be okay with what he did in 2020. And what he did in 2020, best case scenario, reeks of cowardness, reeks of him being scared and having no courage and having failed. And that's the nicest interpretation of your little Trump fantasy in your fucking head. But the more likely interpretation is he was 100% part of it. Every suicide, every drug overdose, every person that didn't take care of their chronic illness, he was a part of it. Every time they decided to murder a bunch of old people to make it more realistic, so they murder some old people in a long-term care facility, he is also responsible. Every vaccine jab a person took for a make-believe pandemic, he is responsible. 
Every person that passed out in the sun because they were wearing coffee filters on their faces in 100 degree weather, every time the coffee filter craze enabled someone to victimize a child, yeah, your good friend Trump was part of it. And if you say, well, he had no power, he couldn't, then why the fuck do you run for that office? Oh, it's to pick the next Supreme. Supreme Court what? Brother, sister, what freedom do you think they have rights over? What freedom do you think they have privilege to? What freedom do you possess that they currently keep shoved up their butt crack? So yeah, that's the news. The news is this, that if it was ever useful, if journalism was ever useful, that's in the past. And if you say, well, I have an alternative... If you have an alternative dude you go to that you think is telling you the truth, that is your judgment. My advice is get that person on the phone if you can. And if you can't, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't want to tell you. Anybody with over a thousand followers on YouTube at this point is suspect to me. Sorry. I, I don't really know what to say. Unless I've met you, unless I've talked to you, unless I actually have a relationship with you, I don't know that I can trust you. What I know from the bullshit in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 and all these years of crap is that we've been told a lot of shit that just didn't turn out to be true. I know some of this firsthand because I observed events that newspapers reported on and I know firsthand of manufactured stories. So don't, so just shut the fuck up about it, okay? The news is garbage. No more news. Next topic. Next topic, motherfucker. Yeah. So the alien topic has become more interesting in recent months and years because of disclosures. Disclosures, you know, the, the government releasing photos and movies of unidentified objects, and, and my gosh, you should believe that. And before I go very much further, I'm going to recommend a, document, a documentary once again. And the documentary is Mirage Men. It came out, I think, almost 10 years ago. Highly recommend it, okay? I don't care what side of the fence you're on. Oh, aliens are real. Aliens aren't real. Aliens are demons. I recommend Mirage Men because what I do believe is true that even if there is some sort of alien thing going on, and I don't think there is, but even if there is, the government's not telling you the truth. So if they release a bunch of pictures and a bunch of movies, they're, they're fucking with you, all right? Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Almost every story of alien abduction sounds like a really bad one-night stand. I'll go a bit further. It seems like aliens, for the most part, like 9 out of 10 extraterrestrials that visit the Earth, it seems like maybe 99 out of 100 flying saucers, it seems like maybe almost every time they come to visit here, they, they're coming here to rape your butt. You know? They're coming here to rape your butt.
it, it seems like pretty much that's the, the MO of most of these aliens is that they're butt rapists. And let's just get that out of the way. You know, pull off that fucking band-aid. Accept the fact that most of these stories you see about aliens involve some type of butt rape. Let me explain what butt rape is. Butt rape is they put something in your butt that you did not want it there. It's ergo, it's assault. That's butt rape. And, and guess what? Butt rape is not about love. No. No matter what the alien tells you, it's violence. It's not love. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's the deal, folks. I know people that love the alien stuff, and... I try not to judge too harshly. Like I said about the moon and voting and the Super Bowl, put it into the category of J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. I don't fucking care. Go play D&D. Go talk about aliens. I don't give a fuck. Leave me the fuck alone. Now, if your strange psychosis becomes public policy, like social distancing, then I fucking care. Then I have to question reality. Then I have to give a shit. But if your shit is your personal shit and it doesn't bother me, fuck all I don't care. I don't care about aliens. I've never met one. I've never seen one. But if they exist, I don't know. I pulled off to the side of the road when I saw an object one night. Yes, I was driving on a country road out here in Utah, not far from Scompton. I was going to visit the landfill to trade for Jigas pipes and other types of frungle. I wanted to get cleave wine. I wanted to get the nectar of sadness. It was late at night and this light was on the road ahead. I thought it was a car. I thought it was a one-eyed bandit. I thought it was some sort of street thug or gangsta. I thought it was flashing its, its high beams and it was going to take me out. But the light got closer and it got flashier and crazier. So I pulled off to the side of the road, baby. I was alone. And I was kind of feeling dirty. The alien reptile thingy shoved this, I don't know. The alien reptile shoved this thing into my butthole. It was glowing and it was a dish-shaped object. Yes, they shoved a glowing disc-shaped object to my butthole. And I realized <laughs> it was dangerous. It started to move and to make a loud sound. The object was apparently blasting me. I felt a numbing shock and I lost consciousness. And that was the last, you know, the last thing I knew until I woke up on board their spacecraft. They told me, the little gray aliens, they told me, the little slimy aliens, they had a plan. Yes, these little aliens, they, had, they told me they had a plan to destroy Baltimore. 
that all they needed were five Chevy trucks and 20 drunk rednecks and 5,000 pounds of fertilizer. It was crazy. The ginger girlfriend <laughs> that was hanging out with them said it had something to do with Zog. I don't know what that is. And they were very white looking, these little aliens. They had a workbench with some cheap ass rusted tools on it, crappy tools, tools they got from, you know, probably they got from Sears. I grabbed an object off the bench there and I threatened them. And then I escaped from their ship. I escaped from their spacecraft and I made it back to my pickup truck. I drove up to the landfill and got my Krieg soup and my flib wine. I went home and drank the whiskey and ungumulated myself and then went to bed. And that's the last I ever knew of them, they're aliens. There's this other story of a woman who was alone at a bar on a Saturday night. It was near closing time and a strange dude walked in. He asked the woman if she was alone and then, according to the abductee, he slipped some kind of potion into her drink and took her back to his spacecraft. There were other strange men, according to her, at the spaceship. But she was groggy and un unable to escape their clutches. With me, they touched my body with little points on wires, and then they attempted to insert a needle-like instrument into my navel, and when they did this, it caused a great deal of pain. They asked me if I wanted a pregnancy test. It was almost morning, and I was still tied to the spaceship's kitchen table. They took baking powder and diesel fuel and metal shavings and placed these into a milkshake and told me to drink it. And I said, the lady said, I said, well, that's no pregnancy test here. And this story must be taken at face value because it's eminently true. It is haunting, it pulls on you, it's the last thing you think about before you go to bed at night. The horrible abduction by an alien, and frankly, I can only call this assault. Rape is not an act of, of love, it is, not an, it is not a sexual act, it's an act of violence. And so when these alien rapists come to see you, they got their flashing lights. They got their fancy disco ball. Just be careful, baby. They're coming for your butthole. I gotta say, if you think aliens visit the Earth, just can I just point this out and just make this really fucking simple? If you think aliens visit the Earth, they're here to rape your butthole. They're here to take metal objects, glowing discs, you name it, and shove them up your butt. And you can pretend it's for some fucking scientific purpose. But my theory is, if they're actually doing this, it, there's no scientific purpose to it. But Dan, they're doing it to observe 
They don't need to shove an object up your butt to observe you. But Dan, they're here. No, they don't have to do that to take samples of your semen. So stop with your hairy butts. But Dan, but Dan, they all these abductee stories sound about the same. And almost all of them involve some type of physical assault. You're paralyzed, you're on an operating table, there's one or more of these little freaks poking at you and, and tickling you and sticking objects up your bunghole. It seems to me, and it seems pretty fucking clear, that it's rape. Okay? It's rape. If any ordinary person that wasn't an alien did this to somebody else, I think they'd call it rape. Doesn't doesn't matter gender, you know, preference, gay or straight. If somebody takes you up to their apartment and gives you a knockout drink and then starts drilling holes in your head and pouring acid into your skull, that's assault. That's attempted murder. That's that's rape, but that's not love. Okay? It's not love. So, yeah, for all you alien people out there, these stories look crooked to me. It, crooked enough that, you know, bottom line, if they're true, there's no scientific research happening. They're not going to, they're not making a super baby for you. And if they're leaving crap behind inside of you, they're not implants. It's just garbage they don't give a shit about. They don't care. They were out drunk some night, you know, on Zeta Reticuli or on some planet in the Andromeda fucking galaxy. They were drinking a lot of this cosmic hooch, starting to bleed from their nostrils, and, and thinking to themselves, with a little bit of cocaine, a little bit of cocaine, we could have a good old time. That's your alien. That's your E.T. That's your cutie little pie. That's your little creature that smiles at you and is all nice. They are here to rape your butt. Next topic. Next topic. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. On average, everybody dies. Everybody dies. On average, everyone will be dead. On average, given the law of large numbers, one day you'll be old. One day you'll be older. Could be tomorrow could be next year. You'll be walking down the street, a blood vessel in your head will go poppity pop, and you'll be dead. Because on average, everybody dies. On average, everybody dies. Yes, on average, everybody dies. Oh, Dan, that's gloomy. Why can't you be happy about what? Death isn't happy or sad. Brothers and sisters, especially if you're a Christian, 
You can't look upon death as either happy or sad. Yeah, it's sad. You're going to miss people when they're when when they're gone. If you're the one who's dead, then you're going to heaven, hopefully, and your life gets better in many ways. It's really the people left behind, and it is about loneliness and about not wanting to let go. And I get it. I get it. I understand it more today than I ever have. Getting to know these dogs at this house, especially Little Boomer, um, I understand how people can just break down and bawl when their dog dies. Because you get connected to this creature. Yeah, it's a dog. It's not a person. But you get connected and you care. And then one day the dog is dead. But the dog is okay. It's you who are left behind. It's you who has to pick up the next day and try again. And maybe you get another dog. Maybe you adopt again. Hopefully you adopt. There's a lot of dogs out there that need adoption. So you adopt again, maybe. Or maybe your heart can't take it. I don't know. But on average, every single person dies. So one of my listeners sent me a little snippet from Reddit about hoflation. And let me explain what hoflation is. Modern men have to work five times harder than their grandfathers did for women 20 times worse than what their grandmothers were. It's called hoflation and it's destroying Western men's desires to be providers and protectors. Now, I think my friend who sent this to me meant it a little bit tongue-in-cheek, okay? I, I can't really tell you one way or the other. Um, you know, what does it mean, better or worse? Because, you know, in this particular entry, there's this little bit of a picture of a woman, a blonde woman, kind of scantily clad, and yeah, maybe technically in an outfit that would make her a hoe. But what does this mean, better or worse? Some people define it in terms of women, you know, wearing less revealing clothing, not quite burkas, but having a bit more concern for that issue. Um, I don't know. I don't know how, you, you know, even if that were true, even if, if that's what, what we mean by better and worse, that women are sluttier than they used to be, I don't know. I don't know that that's true. I think it applies to everybody, not just women. And as far as clothing goes, here's my theory on that. As far as the, the, the clothing that women might wear that might make them look like hoes, I think the clothing itself has been going in a certain direction. And if you look at the fashion. I don't mean the high fashion of the people who go to Paris. That's not the bullshit we live in. That's not our world. We're not a member of that club. I mean the ordinary consumer fashion. A lot of it's become focused on what I would call survival wear and hooker wear. Men and women both. You either have people wearing like 
REI super pants designed for hiking up Mount Rainier so they can jump into their fucking Hummer and, and drive to Microsoft. Or you have, you know, hooker, hooker clothing. And the hooker clothing applies to the men and the women. You know, Forever 21, Abercrombie and Bitch, it's pretty much clothing designed for male and female prostitutes. So you've got prostitute clothing and you have survival gear. You have hooker cars and you have these tank cars, these armored cars, these SUVs designed for what? What's all this survival wear for? Why do we, why are people wearing clothing they would normally hike in? Why are they also, on the other side of the fence, wearing clothing that you would take down to, I don't know, frickin' <laughs> old 99 in Seattle, in SeaTac, and, and pick up a John? But it does seem like clothing fits into those two categories mostly these days. As far as hoflation goes, I don't know. Have women been letting us down, or have we let women down? If I may be so cisgendered for a second, whatever the fuck that means, where does this go? Where's the arrow of responsibility? Because this is where I'm kind of like standing on the issue. I think we all let each other down, irrespective of our gender. We all let each other down, okay? The men let the women down, the women let the men down, the human race let itself down and let God down, and who knows? I mean, there is a cycle of apostasy. There is this story in the Bible, and it goes throughout the whole Bible to the very end, of people beloved by God, chosen by God, of people who are supposedly in the service of God, forgetting about God. Because what has God done for me lately? Has God helped me with the NASDAQ? Has God helped me with my housing prices? Has God helped me buy an electric car? Has God kept the windmills from falling over? You know, so we can have that electricity. What has God done for me lately? And then the next step is, is there another God? I didn't watch the Grammys, but supposedly there was a lot of satanic bullshit that went on. I don't care. But a lot of people look towards Lucifer as their alternative. Well, Jesus isn't working. I'm not getting rich. I'm not falling in love. People don't like me, so maybe I should try the devil. It, it, it's not necessarily ho-flation. It is the cycle of apostasy in, in many cases. It's the, the church of the Lord, the real church, abandoning itself and abandoning God and looking towards Baal, looking towards some other Philistine God, looking towards some other creature. And yeah, you end up with a Jeremiah and later on a Jesus Christ telling you, you need to change. You need to go back to the Lord. Here's the way to get there. People don't listen. Some people do. It's like I said in a podcast, I think in 2019, just because everybody can be saved doesn't mean everybody will. And this is really hard for some Christians out there. I know this is a bit off a of hoflation, but I, I want to make this point because it kind of fits with the issue of forgiveness too. Forgiveness, my forgiving somebody, like if you're out there and you did me wrong and I say I forgive you, it's really not about you. Okay, my forgiveness is about my relationship with Christ, my ability to forgive and why I should forgive. 
but I can forgive you all the live long day. And if you live a wretched life that's going to lead to death and destruction and ultimately lead to, you know, being condemned before God, I can't judge that, but let's say that happens, it's got zero to do with me forgiving you. Is forgiveness potentially a part of it? Well, that's part of the mystery that's between you and your Lord in heaven. But if you believe that a bunch of people forgiving you allows you to be some sort of an atheistic turd, then I hate to break it to you, that's not how it works. It doesn't. And as far as salvation goes, if you think that, well, Jesus Christ is kind, and his kindness is infinite, the Lord is kind, and we call it said because there's no better word for it, ergo, the Lord will let no one suffer. Listen, if it's suffering due to free will, the Lord lets it happen because that's the way it works. So, you know, if you're one of these people that shakes their fist at God because of wars and cancer and other things that I believe people do, I think you're shaking your fist at the wrong fucking person. All right? And if you're of the mind that if the Lord is kind, everybody gets saved, then you're batshit crazy. Everyone can be saved. But I hate to break it to you, especially if you have a minimal understanding of prophecy. Everybody can be saved. That doesn't mean everybody will be. And there's reason to believe, based on prophecy, that most people won't be. It doesn't mean they can't be. It doesn't mean that it wouldn't be great if they would be. But in a lot of ways, if most of the people on planet Earth turn towards God, then a whole bunch of stuff in the book of Revelation and potentially in prophecy would probably never happen. As far as hoflation goes, it's interesting. And if you're the listener who sent it to me, I thought it was kind of funny. It is kind of funny, and there is a point to be made. But I think we can apply this to everybody um, in terms of what we become, who we are. You know, are we the people we could be? Are we better or worse than the people that came before us? And frankly, these are questions I cannot answer. And you could even argue they're irrelevant. Don't worry about the people that came before you. They are dead and gone. And on average, everybody dies. So they're gone. Don't worry about the people that come because guess what? They're not here yet. And on average, you don't control the future. Worry about your life today. Worry about your existence. Concern yourself with your relationship to your neighbors and the physical reality around you. And to the extent that you can, Tune out the devil. And since the devil has a big megaphone these days, it does mean you have to kind of turn you have to kind of tune out at almost everything. You know, whether it's your smart device or your, you know, cable TV or whatever you do, turning on news radio in the morning, whatever your source of the news is, I got the best advice I can give is turn it off. Until it's useful, until it's practical, until it helps you beyond gaming the system, turn it off. 
If you're making money gaming the system, then keep that Sovietological bullshit going. Keep interpreting the tea leaves. That's your fucking business. But if it's not your fucking business, then turn it off. It's not worth it. None of these bullshit stories is worth it. And if there is news, if there is truth that is relevant out there that you don't know about, I can promise you the government and the media is not going to tell you. So if you want to find out what's relevant, what's useful, get beyond that. Get beyond the smart device, ironically named. Get beyond your favorite internet blog. Get beyond even my bullshit podcast and find out the truth for yourself, you know? There's the news. That's the news today. That's the the journalistic advice I can give you. Trust your eyes. Trust your ears. Trust your senses. Trust people you can trust. But beyond that, I don't have to tell you. If you listen to this podcast and have reached this point, and it's not just because you're so pissed off at me, but you enjoyed some of it, you can donate to this podcast. There will be a link to PayPal in the notes, uh, a a link in the information um, on, on Anchor and Spotify. And you can go ahead and donate if you want to. If you've already donated, um, you, you don't have to feel obligated to donate again. And if you don't have any money, you don't have to feel obligated. Because really, money is tight for a lot of people. They may be printing it, but they're not printing it for you. That goes to the George Carlin thing. You're not a member of that club. If they're printing it, they're not making it for you. They're not minting it for you. It's not for you. That trillion dollar coin they're joking about, that doesn't go in your fucking pocket. Now, if we do get the hyperinflation, frankly, which I think we've already seen, but if we do get to some type of, you know, Weimar Germany scenario, you might end up with a trillion dollar note in your pocket, but it, it won't be worth much. It, it, might, it might allow you to buy some time in the public bathroom to take a pee or a poop. right if you want to donate you can um you don't have to and and maybe donating for you could mean forwarding links if you get them in an email or you 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 know if you want to forward a link to spotify to people you think would be interested 
you don't have to do anything. By listening, you're supporting. Um, I think that's a fair enough statement. Um, but can I use the money if you got it? If you've taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, if you've taken care of the people you love, if you've gotten yourself in a good enough situation that you feel like you won't starve for three to six months if there's no food at the grocery store, and you still have money left over, you still have piles of gold and diamonds and hookers and cocaine, then yeah, I'll take some of your money. I'll take some of your hookers, some of your cocaine. I'll take that sin away. I'll take the sin away from you. You just send me your sin because I'm a sin eater. And before I leave, I just want to remind you once again, aliens are not here to give you advanced technology. Aliens are not here to give you a space baby. Aliens are not here to help us achieve peace and oneness. They're not here to fuck with our nuclear weapons. They're not here to build underground bunkers. If the aliens are here, they're obviously here for one purpose, and that is to rape your fucking butt. So be careful, okay? And have a great, great rest of your fucking Thursday.